Welcome to the Practical Shaman Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Barabow, and on this podcast, we make the mundane magical. We learn to navigate the tumultuous winds of change that are battering us as we navigate this world in a chaotic spin. Hello, and welcome back to the Practical Shaman Podcast. I'm Renee Barabow, and I have a very special guest today with a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and just stay tuned. Uh, Levi Barker was a former tech entrepreneur who has been working on himself with the aid of Evoga and other plant medicines for the last six plus years. Since being a young boy, Levi has always felt drawn to helping bring out the best in people. After an on and off training for three year period while managing his business, Levi listened to the soul and dedicated himself to training to work with Evoga. After training nonstop with, at a Naboga Wellness Center for 18 months, Levi went to Africa to be initiated and also graduated by a bit, bit, Bitwi shaman to be an Iboga provider. Now, a lot of my fans out there know about my shaman self and a lot of my shaman self fans know about that I work in addiction treatment. And what I, I don't always share because it's in, in my world, it's not your business, but that uh, I, I start to stop using uh, drugs and alcohol very young in my life when I was 30. And about 15 years ago, I, I found myself working with a, a, a Santo Daime shaman in church, which really took those last remnants of uh, imprints that were stuck that I couldn't, no matter how hard I tried to be good, how many amends I made, how much uh, homeopathic remedies I took. And I didn't do medication after I found an Ayurvedic doctor soon after I stopped drinking who balanced my organs. So I took a more spiritual, natural path through this. But at, at 25 years into my recovery, there was parts of myself that were still seeking, broken, um, acting out, and it was through the plant medicine work that I really got to the, essent the essential nature of these so that I was able to bring in the wind work for the book, Winds of Spirit. And, you know, that I live most of 90% of my time, maybe 95 even, that I live my life in balance, peace, at happiness, and I'm of service to other people. And so whatever your recovery slants are out there, the proof for me is in the pudding of how I show up. I help other addicts. I help other people. And, you know, now with the winds of spirit, I'm getting a message out to the world that, you know, wouldn't have been possible had I not done this last crucial piece of healing. So um, welcome, Levi. I think you're on mute. Oh, there you go. You're organized. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I read through your website, and first of all, why don't you tell people what Evoga is and how you how the plant found you? Because I'm sure that it was a little bit of both that you were looking and it was seeking you at the same time. Absolutely, absolutely, Evoga definitely calls people. So, and yeah, looking back at my own, you know, my own life, I definitely see I had to go to some for some deep. Uh, experiences, not all on the bright side to, to eventually find Iboga and, and get there. So Iboga, you know, we, uh, when you're reading my bio there, you talked about the, the Bwiti, but the, 
uh, initiated or trained by a 10th generation Bwiti shaman. So Bwiti is, uh, in our tribe, is somebody that uses Iboga to study life. And so we see Iboga as a tool for how to live. And so we all have different questions about life, you know, why we're here. We all have to manage our own, our own mind, um, you know, how we treat ourselves, how we, you know, perceive and understand the world. And so um, in our tradition, it's really about using Iboga as a tool to teach us um, how to work through um, the process of being a human. <laughs> and so, yeah. <laughs> and so um, I grew up on my mom's side anyway, is a pretty, pretty rough family, a lot of, a lot of drugs and alcohol. Although there was a lot of, a lot of love, there was um, a lot of uh, chaos as well. And so my, my grandfather and uh, his, his two brothers were heroin addicts from a very young age, from the time of like 14, 15 years old. And so that went all the way until he was in his, in his 60s and passed away. And so growing up around that, um, you know, definitely had some influence on me. And I remember from even a very early age thinking at some point, not necessarily heroin, but like, you know, wondering, you know, what that was they were taking and how it made them feel. And it must, you know, it must be good. So, you know, looking back from a very young age, I see I developed this belief system that, um, you know, almost like it was part of, you know, my destiny or, or I even took it further as the years grew on thinking that that was part of my, my genetics and that it was just passed down to me and there wasn't really much I could do. And so sure enough, you know, the mind's a very powerful thing. I fulfilled that process, prophecy and uh, uh, started with breaking my wrist snowboarding and having to have a, a surgery and getting prescribed Percocet and just enjoying the way that made me feel, being able to, you know, escape myself, uh, just numb my emotions. You know, I was going through, you know, high school. You know, where I think we know it all, but you know that. Uh, actually, this is after high school, so I was just in in, in college, and um, and yeah, started you know liking that, being able to to escape in ways that other drugs that I had tried didn't didn't do it. And, uh, you know, so those ran out. So then start looking for them on the street a bit. And, you know, then, then you know, the, f the first time you figure out that you're actually physically addicted to something and, you know, you think you have the flu and then realize it's not the flu or the worst flu of your life, you realize it's not that, that, you know, you do the opiates and all of a sudden immediately everything's good again. And so that progressed for, for many years from, like a lot of people, you know, starting on pills and, you know, getting stronger pills and then, you know, then it goes to heroin. So I went through a lot of ups, ups and downs for, you know, a good nine, 10 years of, uh, of struggling with addiction. Sometimes I didn't keep it together. Okay. Other times, you know, absolute, uh, you know, in the bottom living uh, in my van as a young guy. You know, just uh, sleeping outside of the, the parking lot of where I worked at the time, and wake up and go to the faucet and, you know, shower off of the faucet in the morning and walk into work, always uh, <laughs> the first one there. <laughs> and um, so that, that went on for, for a long time and went through many different, uh, many different periods of just ups and downs. And at one point I asked a friend of mine who just a very dear friend, even to this day, 
there was something that could help with with the opiates, the hard the hard opiates that were so hard to get get off of, and he mentioned iboga. And when I heard iboga, I knew immediately there was something there for me. And uh, he has, you know, uh, probably at least one. Uh, he probably has a little bit of, you know, almost any psychoactive plant medicine you could imagine. So he had some and he sent it to me. And at this time I was living in Nicaragua with my, my now wife and ended up doing a home detox, which if you're listening out there isn't recommended. But, wow. <laughs> uh, I had to do what I had to do. And so I was, you know, I was at the point where it was just, it had, it had to end. So I was willing to do whatever I, I could to, to escape that. And, um, and I did, um, you know, Iboga is one of the, or the only thing in the world that actually will alleviate, you know, uh, to, to a large degree, you know, 80, 90% of opiate withdrawal symptoms. And so, you know, time still has to pass during that, but you're not there shaking in bed and, you know, Growing up on yourself and uh, just really cuts down a lot of those those symptoms that are so hard for opiate addicts to get through. And so that I went through that and uh, but then came out of that but realized I was really raw, you know, um, I hadn't felt emotions in so long and had been shoving them down for so long that all of a sudden I was feeling again, and especially for opiate addicts, you know, they after they get done with any sort of detoxes, really, you know, crying a lot and, uh, you know, feel depressed. And so I went through a period of that, even though I was physically clean. And then um, by, you know, by uh, forces of nature, I met our teacher. And that's when I started that 10th generation Bleedy Shaman. And that's when I started to really um, even look deeper in myself and what was going on. So did you ever have to use heroin again or did you, was that your turning point? That was the turning point. That was, yep, never, never used heroin again. And uh, it was, uh, it wasn't always, always easy, but you know, I did manage to stay physically clean from the opiates. So you said something and, you know, for my, my good luck that one day when I was in cooking school in my twenties in New York, I was riding in a cabin. The girls wouldn't share their heroin with me. And I, and I know now that that was spirit looking out for me to do something that I couldn't do for myself because I have an older sister who, who, who used heroin into her 60s. Um, and so that, that, this, that this, this craving, this, this craving to get away from ourselves and stuff. But tell... So tell me about this, this withdrawal or, or this kind of, so the, the a bit, aboga, iboga relieved the symptoms. Now I understand you're saying that there's a difference between the iboga and the ibogaine, which they're working on legalizing in the United States at the moment, um, but that then you were left sitting there raw. So with that rawness, you, you, were desperate enough to do something or, or once the symptoms were gone, you had the possibility of doing something? Yeah, so I was just fresh, almost like I hadn't aged emotionally during okay. the time of the opiates where I was almost, you know, I was like a little kid still and just didn't know how to 
manage, you know, my, myself, how I, how I viewed the world and uh, how I looked at myself and perceived the world. And so that was like, you know, starting from scratch. And so for that, Iboga is really an accelerator. You know, some people may have heard, you know, a night with Iboga is like 10 years of psychotherapy and it, and it definitely is. So, um, you know, I met our teacher and started doing what we call psycho-spiritual ceremonies with him. Um, and those are, you know, not, not to detox or anything, but just to go inward and get answers about your life and your direction. And so Iboga really helped me to, you know, redevelop emotionally, almost, uh, you know, breaks you down to a certain degree where you have to rebuild back up. And that rebuilding process is um, it, 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 it really after Iboga, things that you don't do right for yourself, things that are hurting you, they hit you that much harder. And so, you know, you, you, it, uh, it's really a, a guide there, you know, whenever you do mess up, which we all, we all do, it's just, uh, you know, it, it hits you that much harder where you don't want to do it again. And so I, I uh, yeah, I had a long process of several years of just, you know, in myself and the teachings of the medicine. And, you know, one thing I'll say with Iboga, it's not something you do a lot of, you know, you do once, twice, and, and the integration period is really, really long. And so a lot can happen, you know, from one year to the next. So, and I noticed that on your website, because you have these retreats, and it looks like what you do, the Iboga, or people have the opportunity to do it three times during these this eight-day period. Is that like, do most people, can most people do it three times, or is it? they do it one time or, you know, how does that roll? So it's, it's two times while they're oh, here. Okay. So, so yeah, it, um, I would say, you know, 90% of people do both of them. Now, after the first ceremony, the first time the medicine moves through somebody, it's really just a deep cleanse physically, spiritually, mentally. Um, so if you were to ask people, say the morning after their first ceremony if they'll be ready for the next one you know 95 98 percent of people would say there's no way <laughs> to do the next one and it's a it's a long process but you know 90 percent of people do do that but then once they leave here um you know maybe 10 15 percent of people will come back to either reconnect with themselves or, or the medicine again um you know, but most people just go on living, living their life and, and taking what they learned from the medicine and really, you know, living it. And that's, uh, you know, that's what it's about. And so personally, I think that this uh, opioid crisis is one of the biggest spiritual plagues of, uh, of our modern day time. And it's certainly a way of keeping us disassociated from ourselves and more disassociated from nature and each other. And so I was reading on your website that it says, the iboga tends to be have the, the masculine aspects of the plant, whereas for those of you who don't know anything about it, that there's, he says on their website it says that they feel that the ayahuasca is the more feminine aspect of, of the medicine plants. And so I have from, you know, experience with the, the ayahuasca but not the iboga. So do you find people tend to lean one way or the other? Yeah. So generally I would say it, it is 
masculine, although there is very feminine parts to the plan as well. And it can be gentle and caressing and, and, and really, you know, uh, keep you in a, in a loving, loving place when, when that's what's needed. So it depends on what somebody needs. And for a lot of us, we do need, need a stern, you know, <laughs> very direct lesson on, you know, hey, this is what needs to change. Here's what, you know, what you should do. And so, um, yeah, yeah, the, the, the lessons are, are more direct in that way, I find. Um, you know, they, they for, for the big lessons, yeah, they're going to they're gonna be direct. So I would say, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a mix, it's a mix of, of both, but definitely ayahuasca is, is, uh, has a whole lot more feminine to it as well. And I've, you know, gotten a ton out of ayahuasca as well. So I think, you know, with either medicine, you can get what you need to, to help, you know, grow yourself and get to where you need to go. And what do you make of this? Um, and and I, I look at like that right now, there's this decimate, decim, that we're decimating the 20 to 30 year old male population in this country through, and I don't, I know our country more than I know other countries, through um, you know, the opioid crisis and this failure to launch idea, although you know I don't, don't I don't see any experience as bad, but and I don't see it as a failure. I just see it as an experience. But what do you make of um, this in your generation? Because you're in that, you're just probably right around that age group. Why do you think that there's so many young men are struggling right now? Hmm. It's a good, it's a good question. I mean, definitely one of them has to be the access to the opiates and the potency, you know, whenever, you know, so the whole idea off the opiates and especially the maintenance opiates is to have a lifetime customer. No, no doubt about it. And so, you know, when, when the pill mills were happening in Florida, um, they knew exactly what they were doing, you know, now the government got, got in the way and, you know, it's more restricted, but those, you know, a uh, very small percentage of those people stopped doing opiates. And so, you know, some of it's, it is some of it, you know, we have all these great tools at our disposal in this day and age, you know, a lot of them have to do with technology, but it can also really separate us and also make us really uh, want to compare ourselves to others and what's happening in their lives. And isolate us. So I definitely see technology as a big one. So we definitely get people here to bugger on this that you need a technology detox as well. <laughs> they just kind of forgot how to be with themselves, you know, and, and the constant need to distract themselves. Um, uh, I would say, um, you know, yeah, there there is definitely a, a spiritual crisis within the young people today you know there's some great ones that that have it together but i would say a very large group is, is missing some connection with with their own life i think a big part of that in the west is you know we have we have no more traditions that's why our tradition of the buidi is so beautiful there's a very clear distinct um uh process from going say into you know manhood or womanhood and in the West, we, we just don't, don't have that. You know, we go through 15, 14, 15, 16 year olds or 16 years, and maybe we have a party or something, but no, there's, there's no defining moment where like, hey, 
now is when you have to start taking care of yourself. So I think, you know, tradition and, and just, uh, you know, a culture of, of uh, um, you know, getting as many things as you can or, or having the most likes or friends on, on the internet is almost, you know, the, what a lot of young people see, see as an important and um, really, you know, kids are more sensitive these days, that's for sure. They, you know, they, 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 you know, they, younger kids talk about needing their space and things like that now, you know, when I was <laughs> really younger, that wasn't, that didn't happen, you know, my space, what? I didn't know I was, uh, you know, could even have any. And so, you know, so the, the, that's what we, we get a lot of people um, that come from that generation here and just have never really connected with themselves. Nobody sat them down and talked to them about life and, and, you know, figuring out what's important for them. So this medicine really, you know, is able to teach them about taking care of themselves and being responsible for their own lives and knowing that, you know, throughout this life, they're the only thing that they control in this world is themselves. And so this medicine is really about, you know, personal responsibility and, you know, humans get in the way, we make our, our rules and, and put up obstacles. Um, but, you know, us as humans on this planet, you know, when we came here, everything was here for us. Everything that we'll ever need is already here. And so, you know, and a lot of that is, is you know, figuring that out from, from the inside. Once we figure out that from the inside, then, you know, we have, you know, the confidence and the tools to go and get the other things we want in life. And now that's like one of my fondest memories was the day that I realized that I had chased around the world only to find it in my own backyard in this two strawberries that I grew and, and you know, that's part of <laughs> two strawberries. And it was like this most perfect moment of ever. So tell, tell us who would be, who, who's coming to your clinic. Tell us about the clinic and what you have available there for people who might be seeking what you, what you're, what you're offering. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, Iboga Wellness Center is the oldest shamanic Iboga retreat center in, in the West. It was started by a man, Gary Cook. And so him, him and I um, you know, manage it now. Gary's getting a little old, older. He's, he's 68. And so, um, you know, I, we've been friends for a long time, all the way back to the Iboga house days where our teacher used to have a, a retreat center. And so, yeah, we, we have eight. Uh, seven night, eight day retreats and people um, come here for in pretty much any of life's ailments. You know, we don't do active uh, detox work for people that are going through, say, an opiate withdrawal. We recommend them going to something like an ibogaine clinic or, you know, even um, kicking cold turkey and then coming here. So we certainly get a lot of people that are two weeks a month uh, free from drugs. Um, we get a lot of uh, a lot of veterans of, of war, a lot of people that have had some sort of a sexual abuse or parental abuse in their past. Um, uh, you know, a, a big big chunk of the people that come here um, are dealing with some sort of depression, anxiety. You know, at least sixty percent, and many of them have just stopped their SSRIs or or other meds before coming here because they they have to have those out of their system before Iboga. Um, 
a lot of people with sleep problems and and it's amazing with, with COVID, you don't sleep a lot while it's in you so we're up you know many times for 24 36 hours at a time working with this medicine but somehow the medicine has a way of re-regulating people's sleep cycles um, you know, no, no more nightmares or no more lying there just uh, with the mind racing and not allowing them to get to sleep. Um, so, yeah, really people from all walks of life. We've had as young as 14 year old, a uh, 14 year old come here with her mom uh, up and up into a 77 year old woman that's that's been here. So just yeah, all walks of life all over the globe. Um, just, just people, you know, getting that call, like you mentioned to Iboga and, and it's just amazing how consistent this medicine is. If somebody comes for themselves and is willing to work afterwards and do their part, like it's just, it really is a hundred percent success rate in bettering people's lives. So you really think that your success rate is like that people who come there and do the work um, are going back to their lives and having the ability to stay sober and and not pick up um, heroin and other. Uh, what about meth? Um, um, crystal meth. Have you had any results with that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know that that one moves out of a person's system relatively quickly, so they need to who have been off at at least seven to 10 days, and that's plenty of time for the actual drug to move out of their, their system. But, you know, with them not sleeping and the crystal meth really wreaks havoc on, on the mind and dopamine and serotonin. So the boga is very good at balancing out and um, getting everything back to baseline as far as the brain chemistry is involved. And um, yeah, no, very, very good. And like you said, that the success great thing you know of course there is some people that that stop drugs and 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 go back to to doing them um but i would say you know as far as where they're at in their life with with what they needed to learn to get out of the experience absolutely 100 percent it's more so you know opiate opiates are such a a tough thing to really abstain from for for a long time um you know uh uh our, our friends over at a place called Crossroads and, and a gentleman named Joseph Arsugli I know did a study. He, he, was, uh, he did some research there at, a, at an Ivory game clinic and I think it was something like, you know, 60% um, had abstained uh, from opiates for at least a year after their initial treatment, which is- That's way higher than our rates that we're getting for sure. Yeah. We might be getting 30%, you know, and that's of the people who will respond to you. And, you know, so the, the, the research is a little bit, you know, because you don't know those other ones. And if they die, then they're certainly not in the, the research pool. You, something that's really important to talk about is the SSR, you know, the SSRIs that uh, both ayahuasca and Ibo. Before we get to those, we can talk about that. What's the difference between the Iboga and the Ibogaine that's going to be um, licensed here in the United States soon? Um, so Iboga is the full plant. So it's, uh, I believe it's 12 alkaloids that are in the plant. So when they extract Ibogaine, it's just the, the one alkaloid that they're taking out. 
and you know, for for more medical like facilities, the ibogaine clinics are the doctors like being able to be exact with you know how many however many milligrams of ibogaine exactly, and they do they dose via body weight, and um, so I think the ibogaine works through a person's body quicker. So for people that obviously have weak bodies from doing a lot of drugs, it goes in, clears out the drugs, but then gets out and and um, allows them to, you know, get back moving around quicker. Um, so Iboga, you know, obviously coming from a shamanic background, we want to work with, with the full plant. We know that, you know, within nature, there's certain codes to access, you know, to, to our own being and connect back to nature. And so we, you know, here we work with, with the, the full plant via just ground up root bark that we just grind in a coffee grinder very fine and serve that off a spoon. And then we also make an organic total alkylate extract, which um, just using white vinegar and that has all the alkaloids of the plant in it. Um, so it's based, it's just like a concentrated version of you know the root bark it, itself. And so that's a lot easier. Sometimes getting those spoonfuls of root bark down can be can be tough. It's about as tasty as ayahuasca is. So, <laughs> people, you know, I used to like those uh, Ayurvedic herbs that I would take, and most people didn't. Did you? So, wow. So I, but, uh, but I then then you do something like the um, the cactus over in Peru, which is really hard to hard to swallow. If you <laughs> did oh, you? Yeah. So, so the ibogaine. Are they having the same kinds of results or are they using it more for the detox or are they using it in, in, in conjunction with therapy and other things to, to keep people clean or, you know, sober? Or... Yeah, absolutely. You know, the primary, you know, most of them are using it for, for detox, but absolutely Ibogaine can be used for, for um, the other, you know, uh, you know, I guess you could say mental ailments that, you know, depression, anxiety, and traumas. Um, absolutely, both of them can, can be used. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we had a psychiatrist that was recently here. I know he's working a bit with, with uh, full, you know, Ibogaine um, to, for, for some different veterans. And so, yeah, both of them can be used. How does the tribe feel about, um, here we go. Now there's something's working. The pharmaceuticals come in. They, you know, they're going to take the one, you know, the one piece that they think is going to be useful. You know, is there any pushback from, you know, from the medicine people on this or how are they feeling about this? Yes. Yeah, so there's a couple angles with that. You know, I think, I think they, they see it more as, as, as a, um, you know, definitely more from a scientific viewpoint, they understand what they're what they're trying to do. Although they would probably say that the connections that you get to to nature and, and the spiritual aspects of the medicine might be lost that way. Um, you know, and so, but one thing that is good is is ibogaine. Um, a lot of it is synthesized from another plant called Volacanga. Um, which grows quite a bit bigger and is more prevalent uh, than Iboga. So with I Iboga, you know, it's Gabon's national treasure. And so they're, they're very strict about who, who has the Iboga and where it can go and permissions and things like that. 
And so I would say on, on one hand, that's, that's good. Um, that you know more people are making ibogaine out of this boa conga plant because just just now within the last couple of years a lot of the Japanese are realizing that you know iboga is going to continue growing so they're starting plantations of it um there there's a lot of iboga medicine just deep deep in the jungles and it's hard to access for a lot of people and so you know on one hand that that's good you know us being say involved with 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 the buidi and, and uh we know, you know, when they when they harvest a plant, they don't kill it. They just cut a couple roots off, and you know, continue to let the plant go. Um, but if everybody um, was to get ibogaine from from iboga, that would be, you know, that could definitely put some stress on on you know the, how much how much of the plant is actually actually out there. And so, but what's good is in response to that, a lot of people are starting different plantations of, of this medicine, similar to what happened when with ayahuasca, you know, um, in the 80s when it started getting more popular, more people started planting it, and now there's, you know, plenty for, for everybody. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot of uh, talk about, and I know a lot of the cultural appropriation talk goes on about, like, you know, should you be doing the boga in Central America when it comes from Africa? You know, should we be having any of these ceremonies in the United States? Um, what's your perspective on that? Yes, so I, I'm definitely a firm believer in, in having proper training to work with this medicine. Um, you know, so we we have the blessing of our teacher to, to serve the medicine and have people come here. So I think that's very important. Um, I don't like people that, you know, you know, have a couple of yoga sessions and then they say, no, well, I'm going to start serving it now. Like that can get very dangerous. Um, you know, I, we've definitely seen things happen during retreat that if you haven't had a lot of experience, not so much physically where somebody's in trouble physically, but just where they're at, like you, you need to know how to manage those situations. And the only way to do that is to really have years of experience with, with working with the medicine. And right. so, yeah, we definitely feel the boga feels at home here. Um, you know, funny story of how our, our teacher, when he, he chose, um, cause he, he went from, he had a vision of, of, of a woman holding a torch back in Gabon during an aboga journey, later figured out that that was the Statue of Liberty and so he took that as his call to go bring Iboga to the West the United States. And he lived in the U.S. for several years and really wanted to get to know the culture and how, how you know, us Westerners thought and what we were dealing with. And eventually got the call to start his, his center after being in the U.S. for I don't know, 12 years or so. And what he did is he took a globe, he said, and spun it twice. And each time he put his finger down, it was on Costa Rica, <laughs> so that's the, that's the the spot he went. So you know, he he felt the medicine was at home here. So that's definitely good good enough for us. <laughs> that's interesting. I have I have the same experience with the wind work. Um, the wind winds of spirit, and they if I'm out of line, they'll like wind slap me, and they'll get me back in shape. And you know, I can do a number of things and open up the page to the same wind that I was just talking about, or the same thing. So. If you if you you listen to if once you are in tune with yourself and you start to listen to the signs, you certainly have access to them all. 
So tell us, um, we're kind of running short on time, although this is a very, is there something that I haven't asked you that you'd like to answer? Oh, yeah. Good question. Um, um, you know, you were talking about, about you know, addiction and, and, and the spiritual aspect of addiction. I can't really think of a, of a question per se, but that's a really, a really good point is, is you know, our, our spirit takes a lot of cues from our mind. And so if our mind isn't in a good place, our, our own spirit or our soul is just not going to be happy. And that's especially true when we beat, our, beat ourselves up and we're constantly putting ourselves down or always being negative. And so the medicine is just a really powerful tool for us to see things in a positive light or in the very least, if it's something that wasn't so good as a learning experience of what not to do in, in the future. And so... Yeah, what we find with, you know, whether it's addiction or, or, you know, to a degree, everybody that comes here, one of the biggest gifts they can get from this medicine is how to be really aware of their mind and question their own thoughts and really see the mind as, um, you know, as, as a tool that, that has built up muscles and doing what it does a lot of. And so for many years, it's, you know, a lot of us get into this loop of negative thinking and how we look at the world. And that's just what it does. So the Boga is just really good at, at uh, you know, making a, a distinct uh, uh, separation there from, you know, before and after Iboga of how you are aware of your thoughts. And so, yeah, it's just, you know, for, for those addicts and, and like, I, like myself, not being able to deal with my own thoughts, which led to my emotions being out of whack, which led me to making bad decisions. Um, you know, it's really, it really does for, for a lot of people start with their own mind and, and, and how they, you know, how they manage their own mind and what they make their own thoughts mean. Mm, interesting. So one thing, so if anyone was out there listening and you're struggling with um, either depression, anxiety, uh, addiction, one thing that I believe both the ayahuasca and the iboga, which uh, he's talking really nicely about it, but I hear that it can be really difficult on your, on your, on your physical self the first time you do it. And it's one of the reasons I'm thinking, ah, at 60, um, I don't know that I need to put my body through that, but that the SSRIs, uh, you really don't ever, you know, it's one thing where there, there is a real strong line in the sand that, you have to be off of them, right? Is that for how long on the antidepressants? And so I, I know there's a couple that have like a very long half life, so that can be anywhere from you know three weeks and possibly a month. But most of them, you know, two weeks off of them is is uh, is good enough. And so there's some way, you know, the spirit of this medicine really carries people through once they make the commitment to get here and they have to stop those SSRIs. Uh, so many of them talk about just feeling the spirit of the plant and that's them too, their own soul guiding them past this depression and, and making it here. So that happens quite often. And, and so yeah, the, the one thing I'd like to address is, you know, the physicality of the, the Iboga journey. Um, it, you're right. It's definitely a very deep, physical cleanse but it's never 
more than anybody can handle. The medicine seems to not give us more than, than we need. But on the other end of that, um, yeah, you just feel so very clean for a long period afterwards and very, very, uh, uh, we have a lot of people that come in with different pains and that's not even the reason they come here, different chronic pains and, you know, the shoulder or arthritis, things like that. And the medicine is very good at, uh, at relieving, relieving those pains. And what about any, um, any success stories with uh, various types of cancers or other types of physical illnesses, or is it more of an emotional plant? Yeah. Um, Which are connected, yeah. so. Sure, sure, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, we are very cautious about telling people, um, you know, that this is, this is going to help or especially cure their cancer. Um, you know, so we try and, and, and let them know, like, you know, that's the, I wouldn't come here specifically for that. Like you're saying, I would come here to work on, on the emotional and, and the, your energetic self, which, you know, there's such strong signals that come from the mind that can, you know, that can uh, bring about disease or, or also relieve it, you know, that to, to really look at that, you know, our teacher I remember asking him about that, you know, could, could you cure cancer? And, and he said, you know, definitely, but not just with Iboga, you know, different different herbs and things he, he knows about, you know, if somebody was in Gabon where everything was at. Um, but yeah, we, we would be cautious about, you know, trying to, you know, we definitely wouldn't mislead anybody with that. Yeah, and that makes sense. And, and you know, I had a, a client with um, who had, uh, four stage breast cancer. And she kept saying, I, I, I'd ask her what she needed and I need you to, you know, to cure me. And I was, was tell her that I could heal with her and healing doesn't necessarily mean a cure. You know, it might be the end of your journey here. And certainly these plant medicines can help you become more vastly aware of, you know, that this is just a little drop in the bucket anyway, I would imagine you know, in terms of experience. So tell people how they can find your clinic and, you know, how they could start a conversation if they were thinking that this might be for them or their, their family members. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, our website is ibogawellness.com. And on there, we have an 800 number for anybody that would like to reach out. And you could also email info at ibogawellness or Levi at Ibogo Wellness, L-A-B-I, at ibogowellness.com. And yeah, we, you know, the, we would send you a complete retreat overview of everything um, that happens during the week, uh, the pricing. Um, there's a couple medical questionnaires on there that's very simple, yes, no, fill in a couple descriptions. And, um, and yeah, the main thing we're looking for is that people uh, really want to do some good work like this. Just like anything in life, if you know, we've had a couple of people that have snuck through through the years that you know their spouse sent them or their parents sent them. You know, you gotta get it together, or you know, we're done. And so they come, and they're not doing it for themselves, but they're doing it to save this relationship or something. So that that doesn't work. You know, people if they they really need to come for themselves, and if if they do that and are open to learning. From the medicine and like you said willing to do the work afterwards then this medicine just works so very consistently but yeah any questions feel free to email or or call and um, 
Yeah, definitely. We definitely don't try and uh, pressure anybody into coming here. We really want people that uh, that really want to be here. Well, sometimes I'm sure sometimes those people who think they're only coming for somebody else have an experience where that's healing too in their own, you know, realization of that as well. So again, I don't think there are any experiences that don't count. Well, what a wonderful uh, place you have. I was looking at the website. If you're curious, you should go look at the website and see how soothing the pictures look and, and all of that. Where are, and so do you, how, how far are you? Like you're right in Costa Rica or is it like a, long drive from the airport or? Actually, we're, we're, we're really close. We're about 25 minutes from the Liberia airport in mm -hmm. Guanacaste, which is the Pacific Northwest region. We're at our third location now, which is on a, a ranch. So we have horses here and cows and sheep and uh, uh, monkeys live on the property. And there's a beautiful river that flows behind us. And we have hiking trails. Um, so yeah, we're yeah the Pacific Northwest region. We're about 15 minutes from a lot of the more beautiful beaches in Costa Rica, which we go to twice during the retreat and just hang out at the beach. And nice thing about Costa Rican beaches is they lined with trees and they have they have shade, so that's really nice. But yeah, it's a really beautiful property. Just one one big house that we're in that I'm I'm in here that has eight bedrooms. And then my wife and my family have another house that's just on the same property, just right out, right outside here. And so, yeah, we have groups of five to seven people come in, um, either two or sometimes three times per per month. We we have retreats, and uh, yeah, it was a couple years ago we would have retreats of one person, three people, zero people. Um, now, for the first time this year, we've been getting you know anywhere from five to seven per retreat, which is our, our max this year. So this medicine is definitely growing and, and getting out. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you a lot for coming here and I'll put links in the, in the podcast as well. So people can learn more. And uh, I, I, for one honor the work you're doing because people need hope and they need to be able to find it in whatever way it works for them. And, you know, I always say there's one recovery, but many pass up that mountain. And, and I think this is a strong contender for something that is working with addicts, depression and anxiety and trauma. So thank you, Levi. Thank you. Thank you, Renee. Thank you for having me and spreading the word of Iboga. I absolutely it. will. And we'll talk again, I'm sure. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. All right. Please join us again next week. Stay connected with us during the middle of the week over at the Facebook group, The Wind Clan, and also make sure to pick up your copy of Winds of Spirit, Ancient Wisdom Tools for Navigating Relationships, Health, and the Divine at your favorite bookseller. I'm Renee, the Practical Shaman, and until next time, may the blessed winds be with you.